and the actors are acting in front of you, it's as if they're acting only for you. I don't restrict their performance. You can never tell from an actor, from a leading actor, what he's going to do. Act yourself, figure out how to rehearse. You just have to do it. Try to not over-talk it or overthink it. Leave some mystery to happen. Because I was an actor myself, I know what they're going for. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about using non-actors for performance. When you have the option of not using a real actor uh, that's a professional that's working in the industry and you decide, I'm going to go for someone that's a non-actor for this performance. We're going to be talking about why you would decide uh, that's the best course of action for your film and how to work with these people that are professional actors. Now, I imagine that most of you guys made films when you were younger and you put your friends in your film and you know your friends as much as we love them they kind of did an, maybe an okay performance but I would assume that most of them most of the performances would have been wooden and not that very good and then you go to film school and then you learn hey you know if you're gonna make a really good film uh, the first thing to do is not cast your friends in roles for your performance. You want to hire professional actors because they know how to act and they're going to do a better job than your friends ever could. But sometimes you're going to want a performance that's authentic. Sometimes when you look at uh, performances like, uh, you know, like you let's think, think about like your A-list celebrities. Let's think, think about like Tom Cruise. Now, Tom Cruise has a lot of baggage with him. You know, you think about him jumping on the couch uh, during Oprah. You think about the Scientology. You think about, you know, all the background drama, like he was married to Nicole Kidman, then he was with Katie Holmes and blah, 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 blah. And everyone has like a lot of, he's, he's got a lot of baggage as, an, as a personality, as a brand, as a person. Um, but when you put him in his film... You know, there's this sense of disbelief of is Tom Cruise this person? And sometimes you don't want that. You know, you don't want the the person to think, oh, it's just Tom Cruise playing um, a butcher, for example. Uh, it's just Tom Cruise playing an astronaut, you know. But if you actually find a non-actor that, you know, maybe is a butcher in real life you know they're going to bring something to the performance that tom cruise can't because tom cruise will probably work on the role for maybe you know two weeks do some research maybe he'll you know be a butcher and do all the method kind of stuff but if you find like an actual butcher to play the butcher in your film like he's probably been a butcher for 10 years 20 years and he'll have a certain technique or a certain rhythm um, that it would just take a lifetime for Tom Cruise to fully um, develop. So we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, uh, it's, there's some very good points you make. Um, I just want to add, um, looking at the uh, you know the the known famous quote famous actor in comparison to using a nobody or a non-actor um you know it's it's kind of like going into a supermarket 
and you know buying cereal you know you can buy the uh the 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 brand name cereal and you kind of know what you're going to get but with you know the, the unbranded stuff it's you know it's not to most people it's not as appealing and it's not as popular um and in in that kind of framework you know you have you know a i guess an advantage and you have a limitation as well the advantage being is yes uh having tom cruise on your film will elevate you and your uh your project meaning that people want to go and see tom cruise films they want to go out there and see you know tom cruise in xyz that's why when you see a lot of movie posters it's usually you know with the star's face attached to it because they put bombs on seats very simple very known but uh the the part which dean kind of goes into is uh is also very relevant because when you you know when you have somebody that uh has such a focus of being in the in the light being in the in the in the presence of the media and and being known by every single person in the world well you know as an audience member you you come in there watching this thing and you get a preconceived idea of you know what what i expect to see when i see tom cruise whether you're thinking of it consciously or unconsciously you're always kind of looking at oh yeah it's tom cruise because it feels like you're watching a friend you know a familiar person that that you've known because you've obviously grown up with let's say tom cruise films or you've you know you've kind of liked to delve into his life or whatever i don't personally care but that unconscious feeling of knowing you know what tom cruise brings can also um you know stifle you know some some aspect of trying to get the audience to suspend their disbelief you know and be in love with the story rather than go oh look it's tom cruise oh my god i couldn't recognize him you know he's wearing a fat suit you know and he's got you know a different accent and he's doing all these things but they're still going oh it's tom cruise you know so i think we should first define what the benefit is you know and why most directors these days are actually opting to use non-actors like at the root of it when we talk about getting a, a good performance you know it's it's something in the guise of you know you you don't want your actors to be acting even if you don't know anything about acting even if you don't know anything about performance you know that you don't want actors to be quote acting to be putting on you know even a little false note of performance therefore you know most directors have kind of steered the way and i i agree and and disagree in in this uh in this guys because there is benefits to both sides but i my personal belief is that and this is this is not right or wrong but my personal belief is is that uh using non-actors only serves the story well enough if 
you have two things. If you have uh, those actors being supporting to the lead actors or the the the, the, the main actors, so um, not being the central focus of the story, and two, um, if they are the central focus, then it's more of a documentary style on the basis of you're casting that non-actor as you know themselves as um you know what what their limitations are as a human being and what you know about them that they could bring to this role meaning that you have to know that person well enough to be able to go could that person do x y and z in this story and if they can't well then you can't actually do that story whereas when you have a technically trained actor they have the ability to give you more of what you need so as simple as it is they have technique they have the ability to you know create on the whim so um a good example of this and um it's uh it's somewhere out there you can you can read it is uh when paul thomas anson did uh there will be blood he he initially there's a scene where the main character Daniel Plainview is uh, speaking to the townspeople, um, and he's offering them a a deal to to come and dig in their town, and he'll he'll pay them X, Y, and Z. And um, uh, that that scene, I remember I remember hearing it. Paul Thomas Anderson said that he initially shot it with with actors, uh, you know that that obviously had a he had a casting director. Uh, search all over LA and and whatnot, and he realized when he when he looked at the dailies and he realized when um you know uh, after he shot the scene he realized that even though they were giving you know what he wanted he they were giving a certain amount of performance they were still a part of um where he felt a part of uh those townspeople or those actors acting as those townspeople they they were acting they had a sense of like look at me sort of thing they had they had a sense of you know uh, they were fighting for and this is kind of his words they were fighting for a, a position to be seen on the screen right which which is understandable as an actor you want to be seen you want to be heard you want to be you know because it's your job it's it's you know your bread and butter so he felt that later on as uh, as he progressed with the with the with the shooting schedule he wanted to cast uh locals um in the area that he was shooting and he he actually told the, the casting director find me um find me locals find me people that are non actors because i i um i i really i really want a, a sense of you know these people just just being in their you know in their town being in this in this world because i don't want actors to be competing for facetime you know competing to be on screen and he goes um you know you can really see that you can see that diametrically opposed to to those two scenes um so that's 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 something to you know to consider whether it be very nuanced i mean it's 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 very critical when you look at it and you've got to spot it you got to be able to 
to see it in order to to be able to diagnose it. Um, I, I think it's just it's it's all dependent on on what you're actually looking for. Personally, I think um, you know non-actors bring in a sense of you know they have less concepts about technique about acting about you know what they need to do uh, you know they, they've been less uh, there's less things in their brain to occupy them so to speak and 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 allow them just to be present with with the other with the other actor with the you know having them with a trained actor also helps the trained actor because you know when you have two actors acting you know actually acting it it has a sense of understanding of uh, most often it has an understanding of i know where this thing's going to go or we've rehearsed it where it's kind of like you know it's it's tom cruise playing with brad pitt so they know that they're both tom cruise and brad pitt and they know they have a sense of technique and and there's always that kind of safety net of you know these people are rooted in some technique and and i can give the example of like let's say a boxer coming into to spar with another boxer if if they're professionally trained there's there's a certain unwritten rule that those boxers have a certain technique that they go off that technique whereas if you put a trained boxer with a person that's untrained and they and they're you know on the street then there's a certain sensibility where it's it, it has you know, a little bit more danger, even though the, the trained boxer uh, has more fight time and, and experience in, in the ring, they're still on their toes a little bit more because it brings a new environment, uh, a new unpredictable person where they might not even know how to throw a punch. So it, it, it helps elevate that boxer or if we go back to, the, to, to this example, to that professional actor, to give something of a sp- spontaneous and 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 in the moment original performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can think of uh, the Florida Project um, by Sean Baker. Like he cast Willem Dafoe as the manager of a motel near Disneyland, and he was like this father figure type person that would you know look after all the people and, and do all the maintenance and all the you know collecting of the bills and all that kind of stuff of running a motel and um he found the mother of the little girl through instagram and apparently she had like she they found her he found this woman on instagram he he he, he uh, offered her said i want this girl told the producers i want this girl and they gave her, I think, like maybe three weeks of acting training, and then they threw her into the into the role. And you know, he said that you know because these the tenants and the manager are like two different uh, types of people. You know, like one's a manager, like they're not. You know, like the manager kind of resents the mother. Do you know what I mean? And the, the the mother resents the manager because like she's breaking all these rules. He's like trying to keep the place in order, and there's kind of like this clash between them. There's there's it's not like a, a you know everyone gets along kind of 
movie. You know what I mean? They're not all friends. Like, I mean, great movies, great drama, you know, there's always some kind of conflict. Um, and having this non-actor um, woman that had this great presence, great energy and had this great naturalism of, you know, had some sort of life experience of being this person in real life. And then you had Willem Dafoe who was a trained actor you know, like there was this kind of clash of how do we work together? How do we, um, how's this going to work? You know, how how am I going to react to this person acting crazy and, and causing all this ruckus? You know what I mean? Like I'm sure Willem Dafoe could have, you know, easily used that kind of thing of like, oh, now, you know, I've got to, I've got to be careful of, and navigate on how to look after this new person being in this role. So he, you know, naturally as a person, as a Willem Dafoe, he can naturally try and look after her and say, hey, this is your first film, you know, I can kind of help you, but also like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, i got to react to what you're doing because I'm the trained actor. I can, I, I can, I can navigate. I can, I can, I know how to improvise. I can, I can move where, wherever you go, but if I throw wild left hooks at her, may, you know, if if Sean Baker found the right person, she would be able to um, react naturally to whatever punch uh, Willem Dafoe would throw back at her. Um, so, yeah, you can kind of cast a non-actor and a, and a professional actor in these kind of roles to bring some kind of conflict or some kind of energy of these two different worlds coming together. Um, and that can uh, yield some positive effects. I know like the Safty brothers as well, um, in Uncut Gems, you know, they, they, you know, there's, it's a story about a, a basketball player, um, and, and, a, and a jeweler. And, you know, they hired an actual professional um, basketballer to play the character, which is uh, Kevin Garnett. And, you know, they're not, he's not, they're not getting, you know, and the Safety brothers were smart. They didn't get Kevin Garnett to play a jeweler or, you know, play a drug dealer or play a mafia guy that's collecting on the debts or the gambling. Like, he's playing himself. He's playing a version of himself. Um, so, you know, and then they also had other jewelers that Adam Sandler would negotiate with and they, they were like real New York jewelers and the Safdie brothers grew up, you know, cause I think their parents were, were jewelers. So they knew that world very well. You know, they are surrounding the world that Adam Sandler is living through of these, you know, dealing with these professionals, um, in the jeweler world to negotiate with. And like, this is how their world operates. And then it's up to Adam Sandler to navigate and 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 bring the drama and bring the the story arc and the character arcs and all the drama and and it's his job to act while most of the other non actors in the performance they're there just to do their job or to act as if this jeweler you know owes them money or owes them a debt or has ripped them off in the past and they've got a deal like, oh, this customer once fucked you over or this other rival jeweler fucked, you know, you know, like messed you up somehow. Deal with that. How would you deal with that in real life? 
So that can uh, bring some interesting tension, drama, and also like great characters because, you know, these jewelers, you know, they don't look like Hollywood actors. They're not, you know, they haven't like whitened their teeth and, you know, gotten Botox and made themselves look real pretty. You know, they're, they've got some real character to their faces. They've probably maybe dealt with violent people. Maybe they've got some gashes on their face from people being violent. You know, so having a non-actor can definitely bring some color uh, to your project. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the, the Safdie brothers because um, I did listen to an interview with them a while ago, and they uh, they say that you know a big inspiration to their filmmaking was Martin Scorsese, and uh, one of the films they they were referencing, and you know, which which had a really big impact on them was uh, Italian-American. Now, in that film, uh, Martin Scorsese himself used his real parents. You know, he used them as the basis of, you know, his film. And uh, they do mention it in the interview how, you know, how original and authentic and it just felt so uh, familiar to them that, that they really loved that. And I believe that that kind of style seeped into into their own filmmaking and I think it kind of lended a hand for them to go, how can we create something that's so similar and raw and has those kind of, um, you know, moments of unpredictability. I mean, they even talk about, you know, just scrapping the script at, at moments and throwing different lines and throwing different, you know, things at the actors and just, trying to still keep it in that freshness that moment like, i guess that's that's the whole goal of it that's why most filmmakers they they're trying to get everything as spontaneous and fresh and alive as possible and a lot of them have uh succumbed to looking at how they can cast non-actors because they fear either that um you know they uh wouldn't be able to construct something uh with those actors in order to get them not to act or it could be just possibly an artistic choice i don't know i'm just kind of spitballing but uh it's it's it does bring a, a very very different element i mean terence malick um he's you know another director which um when he did night of cups he basically used, you know, he followed around his his actors um, into the world, and and he used, you know, non actors for pretty much everything, and he got them to interact with the people, and and it, it just just to bring that kind of spontaneity because he didn't want the the actors, the the main, the leads, he didn't want them to be stuck in their own technique, stuck in their own way. To look like they're acting will look like you know you know it's 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 xyz doing this role so like it is it is a great way to kind of shake things up but i think um to solely rely on on uh non-actors or people that haven't had the, the strength to act if it comes to a point where they'd need to do something where it's outside of their comfort zone where it's where it does require a certain delving of, um, you know, let's say the emotional rainbow or um, 
something that that the character would be going through and unless those non-actors um, are able to be free of their restricted um, social selves then you know you you might come up against a huge problem so uh, the other thing I was going to say is you know when you when you cast for type when when you're casting you know a let's say hypothetical police officer role it's a small small role for a police officer and you're you're thinking of of casting a either actor or non-actor you have two choices you know you can cast the non-actor but do not cast based on their looks based on on the uh on the presupposition that uh they look like a cop rather cast on the basis that they are a cop because if they look like a cop but they're not a cop they won't be able to act like a cop in other words if you cast somebody that may not look like a cop but it is actually a, a, a cop they will bring some dimensionality their experience or themselves obviously to that role to that type to that character so having that kind of image burnt outside of your head let's say you know you have an idea of how this police officer might look but um you come across a, a non-actor that, that has the essence has that whatever it is that that um you need for that role as as a, as a police officer you you're better off using that 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 person that non-actor even though it doesn't look like it because they'll bring something that you will never be able to you know think of you know or, or bring to that role and i know you were telling me about um full metal jacket yeah the drill instructor yeah and um yeah they they were looking for the guy they had an actor and he was like, you know, he had some experience with the Marines. Um, but what happened instead is they they cast the technical advisor on the film. Um, and he was he he was in the Marines for about eleven years. He spent a long time in Vietnam, and he was a, a an, an actual drill instructor. And you know his goal was to get this role because he read the original book that it's based on. He's like that role. I want that role. I want to be in movies. You know, I'm retired from the military. Like I, I want to act. You know, like what's my way in? And his way in was to be a technical advisor on all these Vietnam films that were all being made. Um, and he played a drill instructor in another movie. Um, and Kubrick saw that movie and goes, ah, you were too nice as that drill instructor, you know? And he goes, well, that's what the director told me. That's what he wanted from the performance. Like he wanted me to be nicer. Like that's not actually how real you know, Marine drill instructors operate. And, you know, Kubrick wouldn't let him audition. But what he did is like this drill instructor was doing the audition audition for the other extras that were going to be cast as the marines and what he would do is he would be doing his audition he'd be auditioning like he was auditioning for the part 
and he would be recording the audition of all these other Marines, but he would be improvising and he would be just going off at these other Marines like he was an actual drill instructor. And then he sent the tape to Kubrick and he would actually see like, oh my gosh, this guy's bringing so much to the character that I didn't see before. And apparently, you know, he came up with over like 150 pages of improvised lines of what he could say. And, you know, he'd meet uh, Kubrick on, on the weekend at his house and he would just like, you know, rant into a recorder for like, you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes or whatever. And they would have like all this stuff and then they'd uh, get a someone to transcribe that recording. And then Kubrick and uh, the actor would go through the... Um, the lit the the transcribe of all what they said and they cross off like oh that's really good that line's really good yeah that that one's really good and that's how they would uh come up with all the lines that were used in the film um as well as bringing other stuff uh to the character but yeah he had very little to no acting experience and you know he's one of the most memorable parts of the movie um you know, like he re- he brings this authenticity that the other guy couldn't bring, and that other guy ends up uh, was cast as the machine gun pilot, uh, the machine gunner in the helicopter in the Vietnam sequence. Like they gave him a role, um, as a as a as a um, as a uh, you know compensation for not because uh, you know this other actor had worked on it for eight weeks. And was like, you know, having lines and he had to like have these lines that Kubrick had written and he was going over these lines, but he didn't have that improvisation. He wasn't allowed to improvise. Um, Kubrick wouldn't let him. But this other guy, because he was an actual drill instructor and he actually heard these things in real life and had, you know, been on the other end of being a drill instructor and actually wasn't drill instructor. He had like just mountains of improv that he could just riff and he could react to whatever, you know, because he was actually training the actual actors as well to be in this performance and teach them how to do the gun movements and how to be there and be present as a as a Marine unit. So uh, Lee Ermey was the actor, you know. So, like, that's, you know, and then, you know, from then on, he was cast in a lot of other uh, roles and he would riff on this character that he brought and you know he played the toy the the little uh, army men the commander the little army men in toy story you know what i mean like he was constantly being uh you know he also played the police captain in seven do you know what i mean like he's always been playing these roles where he's in the military or the police you know because that's the colors and the characteristics of that he brings this authority but you're not going to see him playing a florist you're not going to see him play you know a postman or you're not going to see him play you know a butcher like he's going to be playing that military thing because he has all that experience he's been there he's seen it he's you know he knows what it's like and he's just going to bring something that you know the other actor just doesn't have a chance he just doesn't have that color um, you know, as much as, you know, we love when actors, you know, research a role and they put all their effort and they do whatever they can to get in that role. Sometimes you just can't find 
that. And, you know, like, it's not like this character is the main role. He's just a little supporting role. He is there, you know, with all these other actors, Vincent D'Onofrio and Matthew Modine. Like, you know, like these are the actors. Like we follow their journey, their character. Like they go through these transformations. But this drill instructor, he doesn't have a transformation. He doesn't have a character arc. He is just to be this relentless, brutal force of being a drill instructor that these characters have to go through. You know, and I think there is a little bit of a change where at the end of the movie where, you know, the drill instructor realizes that Vincent D'Onofrio has become a beast. He's no longer human because this drill instructing has totally warped him as a as a human being. And that's where the acting comes in of like, you know, and Vincent D'Onofrio plays it brilliantly. Um, and then, but apparently there were soldiers going through the boot camps that did kill themselves because they couldn't handle it you know and then that's where you know lee ermy has that experience of dealing with these people in real life that would have had these doubts and would have had these mental mental breakdowns and episodes and he could bring that experience as well of what's it like to deal with someone that's totally lost the plot after being trained relentlessly so yeah, there's a great benefit, and you know, like I said, you get a memorable performance, and you know, like sometimes casting a non-actor isn't about performance or getting things, you know, because you know most of you listening don't have the budget to hire someone like a Tom Cruise or a Brad Pitt. You know, hiring a non-actor could be a logistical one, of that it's just going to be cheaper to get someone that is a non-actor, and you're going to get a better performance from a non-actor. If you're casting someone in that field, um, you're just gonna your 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 film's gonna be elevated. The performances are gonna be elevated because you're using these non-actors, but have experience of their industry. So I wouldn't make a I wouldn't cast non-actors in a sci-fi film or a fantasy film. You know, you'd want the film to be somewhat documentary-like. And you'd want to cast someone that has lived the experiences of the story that you're trying to tell. Yeah. Uh, can we, uh, just before we wrap up, can we also uh, try to uh, pin down how we would actually work with non-actors? Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, the first thing is let's talk about casting um, before we get into um, actually working with them on set. Um, and uh, casting is what you want to do is you want to interview people in your in your area that you're looking for. Um, you want to go to the area, or you know, like let's 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 use the Florida project for an example. Like Sean Baker went to Florida, he visited, and he and he interviewed all these hotel managers, and he would record these interviews on a phone. And that's a big thing. And even like um, the director from No Man Land, uh, Chloe Zhao, like she would go to these nomad tribes and interview them face to face and she would record them with her iPhone um, and have these discussions and share things about what she was doing about her process. And they would share their life stories of what nomad life was like. 
out in the wilderness in, in these caravan parks. And the reason you want to record it is like you want to see how they how they react with having a camera in their face. You know, like you want the, the, that person to go, okay, this is what it's kind of like. You're going to have this camera in your face and I want you to be natural and honest. You don't have to tell them that, but, you know, you want that camera to see if the camera affects them like are they looking at the camera are they have they have they changed their persona are they now performing for the camera because now there's a camera in their face and if they're doing that then that's the wrong actor you want someone that totally forgets that the camera is there and is giving you honest answers and being truthful and open and they're listening to you and they're responding to the things that you're telling them and they're giving you amazing material and they're open and they're not afraid to to be raw and truthful and that's what you're that's what you want to do first is you want to interview these people and record it um that would be that would be the first thing that you'd want to do yeah that that's that makes a whole lot of sense now having let's say cast a non-actor how would you go about working with them you're shooting a scene what are some of the steps that you know you, you would take to ensure that uh, you get the performance? Uh, well, to get the performance, um, I would also do it like what we've discussed in previous episodes, like working with kids and keeping actors relaxed. Uh, I would not be slating the film. There would be no slate. I'd be tail slating everything and I would be telling the cinematographer to keep rolling and everyone would know on set that we're just rolling because there may be a performance captured when they think that it's not rolling or that they're always you know like we're always on we're always improvising we're always you know doing the scene like there is no cut and action you know like it's just this continuous thing so that'd be the that would be the big one the big technique that I would be doing is I would always be rolling and there wouldn't be lights, camera, action. It would just be a continuous shoot. And another thing that I would tell these non-actors is I would tell them, I would tell them, be honest, always be listening. Don't try to act. Just be who you are and respond. That's what I, that would be the big thing I would say. Just listen and just act how you would respond. And if there was any doubt or clash of, you know, there was something I wasn't getting the performance that I was getting, then I would talk about their experiences and go back to that interview that I had with them and go, remember you told me that thing? Well, it's like that. This is the situation. Imagine if what would happen if this happened in real life. That's that person there. Like, remember that experience that you told us about that we both shared? Let's... Let's 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 revisit that. Let's go to that and let's and let's and let's use that for the performance. That sounds quite uh, quite reasonable. The only thing I would add is, um, you know, you I think, you know, dealing with people that don't have any technical training, you you don't want to you don't want to burden them with the the technical stuff. Um, I think it's just important to to speak to them like you would. Um, you know, to somebody in, in, in real life and, you know, uh, on the basis of understanding that, 
you know, objectives and uh, behavior is very, very important for, for actors. It's even more important for non-actors. Now, if they're not, you know, following your uh, quote-unquote direction, um, you know, you, you'd want to speak to them in a way where you want them to do something, you know, and, and by doing something, you, you, you basically don't give them an action verb or you don't give them, you know, objectives and you don't talk about these, you know, uh, linguistic word salads. You, you want to be able to uh, talk in simple, plain English and be able to uh, be open enough to, to understand that they might not be fully uh, able to, to grasp like something like of a trained actor would. Um, which is understandable because, as Dean said, if you are setting up the situation, you're setting up the, the performance, the, sh the shoot day, in a way where you can get the take, you know, um, one, two or three times, you, 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 you more often than not uh, won't burden or won't get that non-actor to start acting because I think one, two or three uh takes of getting them to to do something and to repeat it um you know unless they have that understanding that they shouldn't be doing it exactly like like you're telling them then you know all you're going to get is is acting all you're going to get is something you don't want so if you keep that in mind um and also if you think of it in a sense of uh like Dean kind of touched on upon is a documentary style or sense or if you watch any documentaries where there's non-actors there's people being interviewed or people you know being followed out in the in the real world and they're and they're talking to camera the way documentaries actually set up is to most likely work around the capacity of non-actor within that documentary so in other words um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's limited in a sense where, you know, they want to get as much of that person in that documentary, um, without disrupting the, the technical aspects. So, you know, the big, the big sound truck, the big, you know, crew, the, 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 the big, uh, technical steps where it takes to, uh create that performance or create that scene is actually more often than not uh you know disregarded because uh they're trying to capture the documentary in the moment that's why it's a documentary um and one of the the the, the ways to do that is to you know ask a lot of questions know where that uh person lies within their essence within their thinking within their temperament and ask certain questions that are relatable to the character in your scene in order to set it up like you would in a in a documentary i mean the questions don't have to come from you the questions can come from the professional actor i mean if you have somebody like willem dafoe that's a trained actor um more often than not you know as a professional actor they know that um if they're working with a non-actor they they would 
if they see them struggling, they would help them. I mean, they would help actors regardless, but um, they're there to help them because the, the the better the actor looks across them, the better they are in the scene because it's it's all relative. So um, I would discuss it with him. I would I would put it to you know to him to ask certain questions or to change the scene around or you know keep those actors on their toes if if the scene is getting stale keep keep the non-actors on their toes by asking questions by changing things around because more often than not the reason why it's getting stale is because they're having to do it you know so many takes so many times where they're not used to those technical capacities and this is why this is why not everyone is can be a professional actor because it takes training to be able to uh, do the same thing 100 times as Daniel Day-Lewis would say uh, that the trick is you know can you do the same thing 100 150 times and make it look like you're doing it for the first time you know so having that mindset and being adaptable based on your capacity as a director and your understanding that you might only get it in the first two or three takes or you might you might you know be like uh Kubrick and and um and Lee where they you know they worked out things beforehand and he was still able to 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 keep up and give all these fresh performances but i guess he's had some training uh before right yeah he um, had a little bit of training yeah so it it all depends on knowing that person and like Dean said, just interviewing him. I would also say two other big things as well is if you're going to use a non-actor, be prepared to rewrite the scene because, you know, during these interviews, they're going to give you some details or some, they're going to tell you something that might contradict what you've written in your story. Um, or they might give you something better, like they go, oh, yeah, you know, like... I'm an ex junkie, or I used to be. I I mean, I used to. I was. I was in prison, or something. You know, like, you know, I've I've done hard time. Like, you can then go. Okay, cool. I'm gonna rewrite the story, and I'm gonna add that as part of the character. So it's even more like them. You know, you've got to be very, very flexible to rewrite the story to make it as seamless. Like it's practically them. Like, you don't want to be hard and fast like this is a script this is exactly what i want you to say you know i mean they can do the 100 takes but don't expect to them to say the line exactly as it is every time like they might do it differently every take so if you're the editor be prepared for that and what we talked about uh in an earlier podcast there's probably going to be a fuck ton of uh continuity errors so you know just as you as we've discussed, fuck it. Um, if you're going for these nine actors, there's probably going to be a lot of continuity errors, and pre- be prepared for that. Be prepared to take that foothold and draw the line in the sand, and you know, make those choices of not nah, fuck that. I'm going for the to the performance. I want the naturalism, and if people are noticing continuity errors, then the, the film is has a lot more problems than that. So that's another thing to be aware of is that there's probably going to be a lot of continuity errors and there's probably going to be a lot of script re- rewrites, but you'll be better for it if you 
if you make those changes. Sweet. Let's let's end it there, man. Right. Thanks, guys. 